Hello friends, this is Juan Pablo Herrera, church planning resident for Urban Village Church, where we seek to be bold, relevant, and inclusive. This is a podcast titled Drag and Spirituality, where we take time to listen to queer folk as they discuss their journey with religion, faith, and share their contemplative practices. There may be colorful language used during these interviews, so discretion is advised, especially if you have children. We hope you are inspired, and thank you for listening. Bendiciones. God bless. Hi, everyone. Bonnie Violet here. I am a queer chaplain. Um, and you, in case you don't know where you are, you are at Dragon Spirituality, a multi-faith uh, conversation uh, this evening. Um, we will have a handful of guests that I'll introduce to you here in a moment. But for folks who've maybe been, never been to a drag and spirituality event before, um, basically this is kind of where a drag show, if you will, uh, meets a spiritual conversation. And so in tradition of drag shows, um, we do, um, you know, we the, the drag artists will accept tips along the way. So we'll be sharing their Venmos and their PayPals and that sort of thing. So feel free to you know, send a tip um, as the show progresses. Um, and then we'll also, you know, include socials where you can connect with them on social media. Also, um, if you have, if you're challenged with reading it from the screen or you're listening to us, you can find the links in the description. So um, yeah, folks are either watching us tonight on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, or you're listening to us after we've filmed this live um, on a podcast, um, wherever you listen to podcasts at either a queer chaplain or Urban Village Church Church's podcast. Um, also, um, this we want to engage with you this evening. So, if you do have any questions for the artists or comments, you know, please do um, interact with us. Tell us that we're pretty. Tell us that we're funny. You know, all that fun stuff. It just kind of helps uh, get get the energy going for all of us. So, um, so please do interact with us this evening. Um, if you feel, feel so inclined. And I think that was all I'm going to say to get us um, started. So what I'd like to do is go ahead. We are, um, one of our uh, artists is not quite here yet, um, but we're going to go ahead and bring the other two artists right now, and we'll go ahead and start the conversation. Hi there. Hello. Hello. How's everybody doing? I'm good. We I'm all alive. <laughs> we almost are like color coded. Where like I'm purples, we got oranges and blues. Yes, <laughs> all kind of match each other. We complement each other. I think. Yes, right? Right. and that just happened naturally. Look at that. All natural. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's go ahead and take a moment, and um, if you guys want to introduce yourself, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're located, um, and tell us a little bit about your drive. So Mango, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, I'm Mango Lessie. My pronouns are she, her in drag. Um, I am a registered veterinary technician by day. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I'm doing this. Uh, so <laughs> I got my start on Instagram um, five years ago. Uh, and it kind of just blew up from there. There hadn't been a lot of uh, desi drag queens on the scene. Um, especially ones who kept their facial hair. Um, and I think that's kind of what um, got me attention online. Um, and uh, now my platform has become a, my, sorry, my Instagram has become a, a platform for me to 
talk about um, issues that queer South Asian people face, uh, racism, um, art, fashion, uh, all the things that make me me. <laughs> awesome. Well, hello world. My name is Coco Chanel. I put the ooh in Chanel. And um, I go by she, her, uh, when I'm falling in the geesh, if you will. Um, I am located in Chicago, Illinois, so born and raised here, so the rare local. Um, I kind of actually got started doing drag almost technically 20 years ago, um, but I didn't start doing Coco till like over 12 years ago um, in the bars and things, because I'm a theater queen. So I would do plays and musicals and drag, but then... I started being Coco. I was like, oh, let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, and since quarantine, I've, I've learned a lot about technology. <laughs> um, so I, I learned how to do a lot of virtual shows. And I'm fortunate to be the co-host of uh, Boy Less, which is me and uh, Bindi Man. And we have several uh, gentlemen that uh, and gentlemen presenting um, performers that do different shows with us. And we have different guests from all across the, the globe. We have people from like the UK, we have people uh, from Toronto as well. Um, yeah, we're just like doing different like acts, different burlesque and, and drag acts together. Cause it's like they're cousins. Burlesque and drag is our cousins. So, uh, so yeah, and I just, I just love to be able to, um, to share positivity. That's a big thing for me is just sharing positivity and love um when in person or through the interwebs so yeah. i didn't introduce myself i'm out of san francisco my oh. name is bonnie violet and i'm a transgender queer spiritual drag artist and digital chaplain so awesome. thank awesome. you so much for introducing yourselves um usually usually when i get into conversations about talking about drag and spirituality many times i'm talking to folks one-on-one -on -one, um but this is a group conversation and what i'd love to hear is a little bit of like Maybe you could share of what your understanding or what you were taught about spirituality as a, as a child or as a young person. Yeah, um, I, I was raised Muslim. Um, my parents are uh, Pakistani Muslims and they, we, I grew up in a pretty religious household. Um, I, I was religious myself for a very long time. And uh, a lot of my spiritual practices were just based off of Islam. Um, so whatever the religion taught me, I did. Um, and I I distanced myself for a while from Islam because it was, I, it was all fear-based teaching. And um, as a young child, that terrifies you. As a young queer child, you're just like, oh my God, this, this is scary. And I'm gonna go to hell if I have these thoughts and if I continue down this path. Um, so, the most logical thing for me to do was to cut that tie. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did for a long time. Um, and it wasn't until I started drag that I reconnected, which is so weird because it's the gayest thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And it brought me closer to my religion, um, mm -hmm. the religion that I was raised in. Um, and I think the, the most important thing I've learned over the last five years of doing drag is that like those things can coexist. Um, you know, it doesn't hide they, we queer people are so, I, I don't know, magical. Like there's so many intersecting identities, um, combined in this body. And like, it's just, I, I should be able to express all of them without fear, um, or, or and without judgment. 
Um, and that judgment is, of course, also me judging myself uh, for like even uh, calling myself a Muslim or calling myself spiritually Muslim or, uh, you know, Islamic at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I reconnected and now I'm, I pick and choose what works for me. And I think that's the best way to navigate uh, a strict religious upbringing that you're trying to reconnect with. Like pick the pieces that really resonated with you and move forward with that somehow. Um, and I, I, I feel like I've been successful at that. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at now with it. Yeah, I can um, totally attest to that as well. Um, so my, my dad is Catholic. Um, my mom is Baptist. Southern Baptist, um, and I am an Asian Daishonin Buddhist. So I went through a spiritual journey as well because um, I just didn't feel connected to Catholicism at all. Um, just growing up, I just I kept like asking questions, and I was like, I just didn't understand like why were we excluding certain people or why were we not embrace everyone. I didn't understand because if if you're talking about God's love, then that's everyone because everyone's got children like that's it was that mindset of so I, I didn't understand why we include other people um so i went through like a major journey i, I practiced a lot of different religions before i, I found Nietzsche and i showed in buddhism and i've been um, a buddhist since 2004 um so i'm i'm a numbers kid so it was six five four june 5th 2004 so uh, <laughs> and for me it, it it just fit because i can i I can make a connection to the universe and connection to others and share peace and love and have conversations with people of like, well, why do you feel that way? And is, is that how you feel or was that how you were raised? Because that's a, a true testament of certain people. It's like, well, that's just how I was raised. That's how I was raised. I was like, well, is that how you truly feel then? And then get into that conversation of like, breaking some of those stereotypes of like, oh, well, gay is wrong or gay is this, or I don't understand trans, so it's bad. Like maybe just have a conversation with someone that is different than you, then you can maybe learn something. And then you're like, oh, wow, I never thought of things that way. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of expands because when I, with my practice always is always about dialogue and dialogue helps and heals. And when you when you do that, you understand where someone else is coming from. And then when you do that, oh, the countless things that can happen positively from that conversation. So, do you ever get pushback from people? Like, if you were to talk with another with a religious person, like if I were to talk to an imam about my queerness or mm-hmm. the things I do in drag, I I I would almost expect pushback, and like I I'd be afraid to have that conversation. Sometimes there is pushback. Sometimes if they're really like holding on to their core principles, which isn't a bad thing, it's more of, well, that's fine, but you know, there, there could be more. Yeah. And just explaining to people that there could be more and, and letting, and actually listening to what they're saying. Cause I think a lot of times when people, when you get pushed back is because you feel like, oh, they're trying to push us on me. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what we're doing. I just want you to have an open mind that there are others that are different than you and you can accept others. It's okay. It's okay to accept others. Yeah. yeah. One thing I always found strange is that like that a lot of these religions have uh that they're supposed to be all encompassing and very accepting, but mm-hmm. the, it's almost the 
it's the people that that forget that yes and, yeah and they create a community of hate almost you know it's mm -hmm. it's scary it is it's very scary and and i think what's important for for us as queer folk and and believing in, in what's there for us is to understand that we need to they need to listen to us as much as we need to listen to them because that's the only way that change is going to occur is if we listen to each other and understand where everyone's coming from and then we can come to a common ground now i'm not saying we're going to change the world overnight that's not going to happen but what <laughs> i think is we can make steps towards acceptance and sometimes people are just so deeply rooted into their beliefs and faiths it's like okay that's fine but then think about the conversations and let those seeds of acknowledgement and acceptance take root and let them sometimes they just need to step out and think about it for a moment like it may not happen in a the conversation there but it can happen later like a week two weeks later they sit down and think about it. I was like, oh wow they were really trying to like you know educate me in a different way than ever experienced before so yeah and i think i think you know a lot of queer folks have had you know those negative reactions and so like a lot of us have actually been traumatized or harmed spiritually yeah. by like organized religion and so i think mm -hmm. sometimes bringing it up it, it you know it triggers something and then regardless if it's drag or not i know when i first started doing drag and spirituality i was passing out flyers in the castro i'd be like Hey, you want to come to a drag? They're like, yay, and those and spirituality, and they're like, no, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. So, what was your first impression of drag, either of you, when you first saw drag, and when was it? Uh, the first, the first drag queen I saw was Jackie B. Um, mm. This is around 2007, I think, when um, she made a parody of Baby Got Back called Baby Got Front. <laughs> and yes. yes it was so funny and i i that was my first like time seeing a drag queen knowing it's a drag queen mm -hmm. i had seen um trans and third gender people in pakistan before um on visits with my family but i uh back then i just thought like oh they're trying to like i equated that with a drag queen but i didn't realize what an actual drag queen was later mm -hmm. um so yeah, um, Jackie beat 2007 and I loved it. And I, I didn't see another drag queen until I turned 19 and started going to bars in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> Word. Um, so it was the nineties when I saw my first drag queen on TV. Um, so my parents used to uh, go to sleep early. So we had cable and I had cable in my room. So, <laughs> There was an HBO documentary about uh, Charlie Brown's uh, cabaret show that was in Atlanta. And so I saw this documentary that I was just fascinated. I was like, who are these people? Like they were doing like these flips and there was this one uh, queen named Raven that would do this fire number that was banned in the South because of how like elaborate the fire display was. Um, and like, you know, I found out later like licensing things like that. That's Bill. Um, so that was the first time I saw like on TV it was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I never thought I would become one. I just thought, was, oh, these are these are amazing people. I just, just want to go see it. And then um, when I was 19, 
I had a fake, and um, I went to see um, Taj Mahal, um, who was a Chicago legend uh, drag performer here. Chicago was drag performer. Um, they passed on, but uh, they were amazing. They were so welcoming and so loving. And I was like, all right, I want to hang out with, with more drag queens. This is my people. These are the people that are, you know, you know, leading the community. So, and I didn't start drag until officially like the... the like the early 2000s, but it was like spotty. But then, yeah, the end of 2000s is when I decided to become Coco. And I was like, I used that inspiration from seeing these 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 amazing performers, like trans and, and gay men too, just performing on TV. And like my experience seeing Taj Mahal, who was a trans performer, um, and used that to inspire me to perform now. So, yeah. Awesome. And um, it sounded like neither one of you really were conflicted as far as like doing drag and your spirituality. Is that correct? Yeah, I, 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 that, I when I started drag, it was the time in my life where I like completely just disconnected from religion and spirituality. So I, it wasn't even a thought to me until I started doing like strictly South Asian stuff or like. Mm -hmm. Um, or I started doing it more, doing it more frequently. And then I was like, mm -hmm. the culture and the religion are just inseparable. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's so much overlap and everything's so intertwined. And like, once you start doing, or like tapping into that, um, like the South Asian stuff that I was doing, I, I just started getting flooded with thoughts of like religion and spirituality. And yeah, I think that's what start, it started making me go back and having more positive thoughts about Islam versus mm -hmm. uh, what I was thinking before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, I didn't, I didn't always connect it at first. Um, Cause one of the, my, my, my routines is like, I listen to music. I also do um, like 30 minutes of Daimoku, which is basically chanting. Um, so that's to, to give me open to perform well and be receiving of like all the gifts that the universe can provide for me. Um, but I, I really started connecting more as I got later in life because I realized that so many people need love. And a lot of times people like escape to the bars and escape to, you know, certain things because they're, they're searching for, you know, love, love in their heart and, and just love and acceptance. So I did, I started to be more of like making sure I go there early before our gig and talk to people and get to know people. If, if I feel like someone needs that, that connection, that love, I make sure that I point them out through my number and I talk to them later on. Cause it, it for me, it's always been, I want to make sure that everyone's having a good time together. And sometimes people just need that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For me, for me, I had already kind of like grappled with my religion and came to spirituality. I'd gotten sober. And so before I'd even started drag about three years ago, now I had, I had started when I was young, I tried it once, but I really had a hard time with, I, I'm trans. So I think I was, I had some internalized transphobia. And once I started doing drag, it really like awakened this thing with my gender. Have you, um, how has drag impacted your relationship with your uh, gender or your sexuality, if at all? I, I tell this story every time someone asks because it was like a pivotal moment in my life where I turned off the switch of femininity. Mm -hmm. um, I was I, I was probably like grade six or seven. 
and I, I grew up in a house of all girls. Um, I we lived with our cousins, and everyone. <laughs> I only had girls to play with, uh, which I, I didn't care. I loved it. Um, never had to buy a Barbie; just use theirs. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, we were playing house one day, and I dressed up in my mom's clothes. And uh, when my parents got home from work, one of my cousins or my one of my sisters had told them that Hamza's dressed up as a he dressed up as a girl today in mom's clothes. Um, and my dad pulled me aside. He was in the garage, and he was like, "If I ever hear or see it myself, I will send you to Pakistan." And it wasn't a joke. Um, he was dead serious. And for a queer kid to who grew up in Canada to be sent to Pakistan to live out who knows how long, um, it would have been horrifying for me. And I, I, it would have been. I don't know if I would have survived it. Um, so I, um, that was when I turned that switch off, mm. and I didn't turn it back on till my early twenties. Like it was off for a good ten years. I was hyper masculine all throughout high school. Um, it was a time when we took a trip to Pakistan for a month. I barely spoke because my voice was so feminine and I was terrified that somebody would find out that I was gay. Um, and I, yeah, I was just scared. And um, mm -hmm. that's where, I, and drag helped me reconnect with that again. Um, so like I, I'm able to be more feminine, even more, even outside of drag and be comfortable outside of drag and feel safe. I think that's yes. the big thing for me, feeling unsafe, um, being any hint of feminine in those 10 years where I had to turn that switch off for, for my own safety. Nice. And so drag's been an outlet to be able to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Right. You have, you have to love, a lot of makeup, right? <laughs> yeah. And I like that it leaked into my my boy life, you know? Like I. Okay. I'm able to like dress more feminine and like be okay with it and not care that people are staring, you know, like I can wear a crop top outside and feel good. Right. Yeah. And it took, I'm 31 now and it took a long time, but I'm glad I'm able to do that now. Yes. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, so I had similar, very similar because I'm um, growing up in a um, primarily black and Latin um, neighborhood. If you if you're a boy, you gotta be you know show the machismo, make sure that you know you're gonna date girls and you wanna you know be the man and provide for everyone. I was like, I just wanna dance and, and be pretty, yeah. And my parents were like, uh, we got a different one here. <laughs> and uh, uh, but they never like they never restricted me. It was always like in school when I had to go to school, being around other kids. That's when I had the issue of like. Um, oh, you can't be, you can't be feminine. You can't jump rope with the girls. You're supposed to go play basketball with the boys, um, like things like that. Because I, I was like, well, I'm a good, I'm a good uh, turner. I'm like, I'm a good turner. I could do double dutch. I got it both ways. What you need? Um, so when I went to actually um, to high school, that's when things kind of like shifted, and that's when it was like, oh, am I different than everyone else? Because I, I don't want to do certain things that the boys are doing. I want to do what the girls are doing. And I want to, you know, you know, do sparkly things and be part of musical theater and dance and, and singing. And I was like, oh, so it was, it was a big change for me of like mentally, of oh, that's, that's something that I'm different than other people. 
yeah. I'm different than my than what community is expecting of me. Um, so for a, for a long time, I just kind of like hid into the shadows and just like I'm gonna do what's expected, especially in high school. I just was, do what's expected. Date date a girl or two, and and then I'll once I go to college, then I can be my true self because then I don't have to worry about the stigma of like being near where everyone know where I live and people can like tease me and taunt me. And this is, you know, back in the nineties. So, and this is something I talk about all the time too with people, people don't realize how different it was in the nineties, like being gay in the nineties, it was like, Oh, it's a death sentence because that associated gay with AIDS. Yeah. It was just automatic. Um, and it was like, if you come out as gay and there's like, Oh my God, you're gonna get AIDS and die. And I'm like, and then it's coming from like, you know, my, my dad wanting me to um, pick my own religion and find what's best for me and looking at Catholicism and looking at like, you know, the Baptist practices and it just didn't fit for me. So I was, I was kind of lost. I'll be honest, I was kind of lost. Um, that's why I just went through a major journey. I'm so, so grateful that my parents never forced me to say, you have to do this, you have to do that. It was more of like, just find out what's best for you. We'll give you the tools, just find out what's best for you. Um, That's amazing. Kudos yeah. to them. That's so I'm so grateful for that because the way I grew up and you know, on the south side of Chicago, a lot of people were not like that. And if you were gay, then you know, you could get beat up. They would, you know, throw rocks through your window, they would, you know, do all kinds of things to you. And um, I was very fortunate to have such a, a supportive um, upbringing to just explore what I what I can be as a person, you know. Mm -hmm. In that yeah. time where you were like um, trying not to do feminine things, did you ever mm -hmm. shame yourself when you caught yourself doing those things? Yes. I yeah, I remember doing. Yeah. Catch myself. It was one yeah. of those moments because. I will say, knock on wood, I was a good actor, so I could pass <laughs> for certain things. Um, but yes, when it, when it was certain things, it was like, oh, I love like I love disco music. So I was like starting to sing like you know in some some songs and stuff, and I was like, oh, you put too much neck into that. You're too you doing you know using your hands too much. You know, calm that down. And it was like the little mind and the little voice side back in my head, like you know you're being too much now, right? You know, you're drawing too much attention to yourself, right? And it's like, so I was just like, my thing was always shutting down. So when I was being too much, I would shut down, I would be quiet, and just like, and that started my, like, me eating, too. Because mm -hmm. um, I started, I was really thin, like, in grade school, and then high school, I plumped up. Um, and I think that was because of the realization of, like, holding everything down and not wanting to embrace who I truly was as a person. So it was a way to cope yeah. with uh, with everything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I that I... Praying. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I said I remember praying when I would, mm. like, do something feminine. And yeah. I catch myself and be like, oh, my God, oh, shit. Like, I got to go, like, pray that this will be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And it was such a terrible feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I kept, I kept asking myself, I was like, why me? Yeah, like, yeah. Why am I the one? Like, out of my entire family, why am I the gay one? Yeah. Why? There's like, so much shame associated with that. It's, yeah. And I, I can still feel it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, when I, if I, 
I love crop tops. <laughs> if I'm wearing a crop top outside, <laughs> like and, yes. <laughs> <laughs> crop tops and mesh, they're like my thing. So like if I'm wearing that outside and I get like a, a look from somebody, I especially a brown person, yeah. my mind immediately enter that state of shame that I was in like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's such a weird feeling because I'm comfortable with myself, but it's just like a my mind my brain has trained me to take that as a warning sign (laughs) or like to feel shame Mm -hmm. um so yeah I that's it's still something I deal with today yeah I had a little bit different experience I grew up in a small town in Idaho Mm -hmm. so I my dad was always correcting my expression and, and he was always trying to make me more manly I didn't read it at the time as feminine. I didn't re- read it as the time as that I might be gay. Like I didn't, I'd never seen anyone who was gay. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like I had no kind of context for it. And the mm-hmm. only time gay people referred to was, you know, derogatory terms and yeah. violent things that have happened to them, you know? And so I think for me, for whatever reason, I was, uh, I just didn't notice. I didn't notice that's what it was until I got much older, until I was like, a teenager, almost even like, I don't even think I really understood it until I like left high school. Wow. Yeah. So how was it? Um, Cause I know like for folks, there's like the coming out around sexuality or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how's, but though, but coming out as a drag artist is like a whole nother experience too. How has that been for you? Or do you want to share how that was for you? To, to family? family or whatever kind of comes to mind. So um, (laughs) I'm not out to my parents, which a lot of people find surprising um, because Mm -hmm. my drag persona is so huge and very public. um, But I, I'm a firm believer that if it, if it's not safe for you to come out or if there's no reason for you to Mm -hmm. come out, you don't need to do it. Um, Your safety should be your number one priority. And I always prioritize my safety. Um, and I'm at, I have a great relationship with my parents without them knowing this. And, you know, and it's very public. If They could find out if they wanted to um, or if somebody told them. And that day will happen eventually and we'll mm-hmm. deal with it when it comes. But I'm very happy with with the, where I am now. Um, yeah, so my, but everyone else that I've come out to as a drag queen, like they, they love it. Um, um, I started with my, with my ex, uh, five years ago. So like we became like this drag couple, um, and then it turned now I'm now, uh, we're not together anymore, but, um, I'm still continuing on and my current partner loves it. Um, my friends are really supportive. My sisters and my cousins who know are super supportive as well. And they, they like the advocacy work that comes with it. And they think it's really important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. um, My my family knows about it. Like, I was actually more nervous coming out as a drag queen than I was being gay. (laughs) 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 Real talk. Um, And the the reason was because my my parents had, like, a lot of different friends across the board. Like, uh, we had a friend, Creighton, who was a hairstylist here in Chicago. He was the backup person for the Oprah Winfrey show. Mm -hmm. So, um a lot of characters were around uh, when I was growing up. So that was a good exposure for me as a kid of like seeing different people, different walks of life. So 
coming out as gay wasn't wasn't as hard as me coming out as a drag queen because I had to explain to my parents like, well, I am a drag performer. This is what I do. It's a part of who I am. Um, and I had to explain like the difference between like, well, I'm still going to be my boy self. This is just a way for me to express myself, you know, create creatively and, and a way to connect to people that a way that I couldn't do as my boy self. And I just had to like break that down for them. And they were like, oh, okay, we, we get it now. Like it took them a while. Yeah. <laughs> it took them a while. Um, but yeah, but it, it um, when I perform at the Baton Lounge, which is like the legendary place here in Chicago, um, they all came to it and I cried because I was the first time they actually seen me in drag and I was like really excited. And it was, uh, I love telling this story because it was, my two worlds were combining. My parents, my mom's sisters, my little cousins, my big cousins were all there at the baton along with people that I have idolized like Andre DeShields from Broadway as well as Lily's White. They were doing a play here. So they were all in the same audience at me making my, my premiere at the baton. So I was crying and going crazy backstage and people were like what what's wrong that's with so the magical that's so beautiful <laughs> yeah. a magical moment and my favorite director of all time um jerry mitchell who directed kiki boots who has who does broadway bears he was an audience too so i got to take pictures with him and i got to talk with him so i still like to this day like i get chills it was it was one of those magical moments of like here i am world there it is that's so, so beautiful it was a really great moment to me. I'm so I'm so fortunate because not everyone has that that opportunity of like sometimes you know you come out as gay like okay when you come out as a drag queen they're like what what what, what? no like because there's there's still a, a stigma and and a still idea of like this whole perverse idea of like oh drag queens are you know man hungry and perverts and this and I had to like break that stigma of like you we're not that we're just entertainers. You know, you don't say that about J-Lo. Yeah. And she wearing the same makeup and hair and wigs and outfits as we are. <laughs> I think another, uh, uh, if I were to come out or like when drag queens do come out and they're from a South Asian background, mm -hmm. there's no language for drag queen in, mm. in Pakistan. So like the next closest thing to equate it with is a trans person. So the, my, if I, if a, if I were to come out, my parents would probably think that I'm transitioning, mm -hmm. um, which is also like really frowned upon in Pakistan. Uh, yeah. So like, that's just, uh, it adds like a whole nother layer with whatever culture you're raised in or religious background. And like, mm -hmm. it just plays such a big part in how people will perceive it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Zovia has a question in the comments. Uh, they say, what does your spirituality practice look like? Can you talk about your experiences sharing or practicing your spirituality with your partner? Mm. It's kind of two questions in one, but. Yeah. Um, my, I, I, I kind of don't do anything with my partner spiritually, but I do, we meditate together sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. He does pray sometimes as well. Um, and I, I usually just pray at night or, it's always in moments of uh, weakness, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess, or sorrow um, mm -hmm. or loneliness. Um, I hate to associate spirituality with 
with like negative feelings, but I think it's important to acknowledge when we're looking for answers, right. we don't one has for us. We look to God or whatever, whatever you believe in, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I, I just like to acknowledge those negative feelings because they're important. They play a huge part in a queer person's life, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's when I am most connected. And most of it is, is, is just like clearing my mind and praying and being calm and, you know, asking myself questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I agree. Like for, for me, um, like chanting is, uh, it's a way to center myself. It's a way to open myself, open my heart up. So um, sometimes I'm introverted. I, I know you can't tell right now. <laughs> um, sometimes I can be very much like I'm just going to close these four walls around me and I'm just going to stay here so it's a way to uh, make sure that I'm opening myself up to experiences and people and also a way just to, to refocus myself sometimes you know um, things happen in life that will rattle you and it could be people, it could be situations and it's a way to, to keep me on focus on what I want to achieve in my life and I think it's I think it's so important um, to just find whatever works for you. I think a lot of times we, as as, as people of the LGBTQ community, um, we do look at religion, organized religion, um, as a negative thing because of, of the history. But I feel I think a lot of people are turning the tide with that. And I think we need to to show that yes, these people have been bad with us, but let's look at the progression that we can make together. Because uh, there, there are so many pastors that um, that are here, especially here in Chicago, that uh, that make strides and in be inclusive and welcoming, and I, I don't think they get enough credit. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough credit, and um, because me coming from my my background of like being afraid to to talk to priests, because I went to Catholic school as well, um, so talking to priests about things that I'm feeling or like. I don't know why I like this boy. He just seems like he's a nice guy and I want to be around him more and understanding like that leads to something because you feel a different way about a boy than you do a girl or, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's important that we have those, like, like I said before, these conversations, this good dialogue, because I think a lot of people are so afraid to talk. They have these feelings and then they just let it bubble up inside of them. And then that ends up like latching out or lurching out at the wrong time. And then it's like, I didn't mean that, or I didn't want it to come off that way, or that wasn't what I intended. And like, and that's one thing I'm just very avid about. Like, let's, let's have those conversations so that we don't have those moments. So we don't have as much hate groups as we don't have so many people that are like, oh, I don't understand you. Let's have a conversation so you can't understand me, you know? Yeah, we have another question in the comments. Gabriel, they ask, how does your spirituality influence your drag? Hmm. Um, I'll say for me, I'm gonna take this with you, so I'm done. So, <laughs> for me personally, um, it, it influences a lot of what I, I do in my, in my general day-to-day life. Um, but when it comes to my drag, it sometimes affects it, sometimes it doesn't. Like sometimes I'll do like a spiritual number where I'm doing a gospel number. And sometimes I'm a whole. So, um, but for me personally, though, I, I prefer to, to make sure that I, 
I'm using my my chanting and my connection to the universe so that I can connect to other people and they can just for me it's always it's always about sharing love, sharing and being accepting and and knowing that we are in this together. So let's have a good time and let's communicate and connect with each other. Um uh, mine doesn't really influence my drag. I, I do incorporate things. Like I said earlier, the culture and the religion are inseparable. Mm -hmm. um, so when I dress up in something culturally Pakistani, it can be perceived as Islamic as well. Like mm -hmm. I, I do have a outfit that I wear that's an abaya. Um, and it's worn by uh, religious women. And mm -hmm. I, I wear it in drag. And that's an expression of my spirituality and my religion through drag. Um, things and those things aren't supposed to connect <laughs> in Islam, but it's nice to see that and like turn people's heads and be like, oh my God, what the hell? It's, mm -hmm. it's nice. I, they're not the reaction, just the, I'll get the gears turning in their head, you know? Yeah. And I think also seeing that representation yeah. though, like, honestly, I think it's great because most people don't get to see that. So then it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm you get exposed to something that you don't know about. So I think that's amazing in, in itself. Yeah. Indeed. So I think we're gonna take a moment and just take a little break. Um, and uh, we'll be right back in a second. Folks, think of whatever questions that you might have while we're away just like really briefly. Cool. All right. Right. <laughs> I know I, I we should right switch change. <laughs> I thought about it. I have a wig right here that I was considering. Like, I wonder if I could do that at some point. So maybe okay. I will the next break. <laughs> awesome. So what what does your um so activism was brought up a little bit earlier. Do you want to talk a little bit about how um activism and your drag intersect or and or your spirituality, however way that works for you? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, when I started doing drag, it really wasn't for, and it was all self-serving. Um, like I did it for the likes on Instagram and it didn't turn into something more until I think like three years in, um, I realized there were no, there's no South Asian representation in, in the village in Toronto and like the drag scene for South Asian Queens had died out. Um, and I, I'm lucky enough to, I was lucky enough to have made friends with, um, this group of guys who runs a, uh, queer South Asian party. And now there's a whole bunch of us in the city and it's amazing. And, uh, you know, like I, I see that as a form of activism. I think just being visibly queer, um, 
being visibly feminine as a brown guy is mm-hmm. activism in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people get a lot of slack for, and just call it like, um, they don't see they don't see that as a political act, but I think mm-hmm. it is. And I, I like especially if your your safety is being threatened, I don't see how that's not a political act. You know, just being visible. Um, and since then, I've I've been advocating for uh, queer South Asian people online, um, and it's become like my my I don't know my it, my Instagram page has become like a safe haven for people for queer South Asians, and it just makes me so happy that th- I'm able they're able to tell me things and I'm able to share my experiences and be that person that I didn't have growing up. Yeah. I didn't meet another queer South Asian person until I was 17 and I got my first job. My my uh, assistant manager was queer and South Asian. And it took 17 years to see that. There was nothing on TV. That all TV was filled with white gay guys, but nothing that I could relate to. The closest was like Jay Manuel on on uh, America's Next Top Model. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, but he's not South Asian. You know, and so I, um, I had no one until uh, I was 17. And thank God for that person too, because he was visibly queer. Mm-hmm. And that gave me permission to be myself too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um, I think for, for me, it's, it's uh, I started doing drag initially for charity. Um, so I worked in retail for like years and, um, I did drag because a friend of mine was part of a drag king company. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I can help out. I did drag it for theater shows. I could do it for a bar gig. Sure. And then, um, I got approached by, um, the owner of the bar and they were like, oh, we have a monthly show where we raise, um, funds for, for different charities around Chicagoland area. And I was like, oh, so I can do my art and help others at the same time. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> that was that was like, because I was like, I can't, I didn't have enough money to be like, oh, here's $100 to, to give to this, you know, said charity. But I can put together a show because I'm a theater person. I can put together a show and we can help raise funds for different, you know, local charities. And that's, that was my, my form of activism because um, at least starting off, um, I've done a lot more stuff, like really connecting more more different organizations personally and doing more fundraising, things like, like that. Um, but that was a, a good way to start, a, a way I can use my art form to help others. And I just saw how how wonderful that can be. So so I, I'm so grateful for having those, those beginning roots of like giving back, because I'm always like looking for an opportunity to give back to to my community, whatever it can be, you know, if I can, if I can help somebody, I will, you know, like here, here's my, take my dress, take my earrings, <laughs> take my tips, it's fine, go ahead, go, go for it, you know. <laughs> Would either of you have, or what are your suggestions for um, young people like yourselves who might see themselves in you or see themselves in you? Um, what are some suggestions that you might have for them? Maybe they're wondering about drag and for themselves. What are some things for them you'd like to share? Well, one thing I will share, um, I think there's there's always three tips I tell people whenever someone's like thinking about doing drag or want to try it. A, just do it. Just do it. It's fun. You can have a good time. 
you get to be somebody different. So you get to let loose. B, um, be humble. Because you may get someone that's like, that can paint your, your face and you'd be like, oh, snatch, gorgeous, boom, boom, boom. And then you may feel a certain way and get a little ego. So, <laughs> be humble. And the third thing is really revel in the moment of being someone different. Uh, because a lot of times people would do it and they'll get so scared and then they're like, oh, I, I'm supposed to be this way. No, just open up and just enjoy the moment because this is a moment for you. And then when you share that moment, people are going to share moments with you, mm-hmm. you know? That's great advice. I would, I would say the same thing, you know, like I, and um, don't try to be what everyone else is trying to be. I know when I started drag, I shaved my beard and I tried to be all feminine and woman like, and or conventionally female and it didn't work. It just, I looked hor. I felt horrible. I like, I didn't look good. I, I was just trying to be a cookie cutter queen and you know, it didn't work for me. And it's not until I kept the beard and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, this looks cool. This is yeah. so cool. I'm like really messing with gender and like making people think. Um, so like stay true to your, what feels good, I think. Yeah, yeah. Great. And be safe, of course. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Really great suggestions. We do have a question from the comments and uh, maybe we can share with this individual. Uh, uh, Angie asks, what about drag kings? And maybe we can, you know, direct them to some drag kings or we did have a drag king that was going to be on the panel. Um, out of London this evening, and um, he hasn't been able to make it in this evening. So hope all is well with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, but there, yeah, there are amazing drag kings out there. Did you all want to respond to that question? Yeah, I have some in Toronto that I, I really love. Our drag king scene is just emerging. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'll I'll link them on my Instagram. Actually, um, it'll just be easier to make a list. Uh, but Alexander Brandy's an amazing drag king from Toronto. Uh, Baby Majora uh, does a lot of drag burlesque stuff. Um, they're non-binary. Um, yeah, definitely check them out. And they're, they're great artists. Yeah. And I've, in previous interviews, I've interviewed a lot of other drag kings. So you can check out um, like a queer chaplain on YouTube and you can check out um, King Lotus Boy, um, Tyson Check-In, uh, McDouche, is, who is those? Those are two out of the Bay Area, and then McDouche is out of um, Chicago, mm-hmm. and they are <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. Um, there's both some really great um, drag king and non-binary folks, depending on where you're at in the, in the. And then there is actually even a YouTube channel where they did a drag king festival. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a global thing where they just I think it was, was almost like two days of like drag queen performers over and over and over. You can find Amazing. that on Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have one, one of my babies is uh, Luca Me. That's um, that's one of my drag babies. Oh. So he's he's a drag alien king. Mm-hmm. Um, so wild makeup and things like that. And also like very popular here in Chicago is Tinderoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, who just won the um, uh, best drag performer contest with um, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's amazing drag kings that are um, in Chicago and also around the country. Because uh, how I actually originally started, my friend was actually part of a drag king company. Like mm-hmm. they were part of a drag king company and they wanted a drag queen to be part of their, their thing. 
And um, a little history that people don't realize about Chicago, Chicago, before, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race, there were a lot of drag king companies here in Chicago that actually were based here and they would tour around the country. Around the country. Um, and it kind of died out when RuPaul's Drag Race came into fruition. Mm-hmm. But there was, that's how a lot of people got started because there was, in Chicago, there was really only like five drag queens that were had any, any kind of gigs in Chicagoland area. Um, and it's, it's wild to see like how the industry has changed. Mm-hmm. I've seen it grow from from like only a few queens to the the success of RuPaul's Drag Race to see so many people just express themselves more, you know, whether they're queens or, you know, they don't want it to be defined, we're just non-binary or, or have you, or, you know, androgyny mixing it. I love the, seeing the, the, the differences that are happening and, and the creativity. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's, that's, that's what, you know, drives me more, like. Yes, I am 40 years young, but I'm still yes. kicking it with these kids. <laughs> but I, I love you. That, that gives me like inspiration. Like, okay, cool. They're doing something different, something I've never seen before. This is great. I love it. Keep doing it. And I think it's important that we like support each other too, saying like, yes, keep doing it. If you want to be weird, be weird. If you want to be, you know, you know, the gorgeous glamour side, go for it. Like, just embrace who you want to be and do it. Yeah, just do it. And there's like, drag queens and kings and non-binary royalty mm-hmm. like they, like some folks will leave, like you don't have to be like just because you're a cis woman doesn't mean you have to be a drag king you can be a drag queen you can be a non-binary you know artist drag artist or like it there's mm-hmm. those aren't real like rules or boundaries like you get to decide right. what what do you want to try on what do you want to explore what do you want to play around with you know right yeah, and in uh, San Francisco, there's a lot of folks too that are like non-binary in their in their everyday life, um, mm-hmm. and then they have like a drag king and a drag queen persona, which is always interesting to see as well too. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I need to make a hyper-masculine persona. Maybe my high school self will make a return. So we are um, hitting right about the almost one hour at 55 minutes in. And so um, I wanted to um, check in with you all and, and see if there was anything that you wanted to, to bring up to talk about or ask of another person on the panel. I, I just want to like, Coco, you have such a great energy. This yes. is my first time meeting you and you're it's just so... I don't know. There's something, something radiates out of you and it's so beautiful to see and to hear. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. This rarely happens with people, but you know, when you just, I don't know. When you feel it, you just feel it, you know? Yeah. And you just feel, you feel like a good person to me, like such a great light. I don't know. It's just so nice. Thank you for (laughs) Like this is, I think this is just a beautiful moment that we can just can talk and share and you know share our experiences and share our love and like it, it's amazing to meet you. Like I want to come to Toronto now. Like, uh, uh, well, we're way behind on the COVID schedule, so once I got a spray, I got a spray, everybody. After, <laughs> <laughs> spring your own Lysol and you can come. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Um, I, I want to ask both of you, like, what was the, the hardest thing that you've actually done, like, in drag? 
it could be performance or real life or what have you, what is the hardest thing that you ever had to do? I had a mm. difficult moment once during a performance. Um, I, it wasn't the hardest thing I've done, but it was a really bad experience. My music mm. shut off halfway mm. during the performance and it was at a, it was at a straight event too. Um, so it was a comedy show and the audience was straight, majority straight. I could tell by the way they were looking at me. Um, my music shut off and it was a burlesque routine. So I'm standing there. A, a lot of my my performances, I love going into the audience and interacting with people. And um, I went to the audience, music shut off, and I'm standing there like half naked. Like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, it was... Now looking back, I can laugh. It's hilarious. Uh, but in the moment, I was like, oh my God, please put me out of my misery. <laughs> yeah, so I just like walked on the stage and then they started the music again, but it started from the beginning of the song. And I'm like, nope, grab my stuff, walked off stage. <laughs> Not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was, oh God, just talking about it now makes me laugh because it was... <laughs> so funny <laughs> and and for me I'm pretty like I'm still kind of pretty new um I've done some stage performing I first started doing drag as part of the sober scene um and so I would say my worst is just like just going to do a performance and then just like blanking like I just completely like it was a song I'd known since I was like a little kid and all of a sudden I didn't know the words, I couldn't move. There was only like three people in the audience. So it was just, but it was just like, I was like, I don't know, just something hit me and I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. It was awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you, Coco? Um, so I did this, uh, this, this play, uh, it was called Gaia Divine. And the play was basically about um, a drag queen represents the mother earth. Mm -hmm. and um, basically deciding on whether to continue the human race or just end it all. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it was a very heavy show. Um, I, for an hour and a half, I did not leave the stage at all. So as soon as people like literally walked into the building, I was on stage. Um, I, I sang, I acted, and I actually had a choreographed dance number in it as well. It is the hardest thing to this day, I, I will say, mm -hmm. that I've ever done. Uh, because for the hour and a half, I had to be present the entire time. I could not, like, just have a down moment. And the fact that, spoiler alert, um, I ended the world. So the fact of, like, having just those feelings of, like, being Mother Earth and deciding to, like, end everything, every night killed me. Oh, every wow. night. So I even get teary just think about it because it was it was such an amazing play and it was original work and I got to work with some really amazing artists on that and it just uh it was but seriously every, after every show I was like I need a drink I'm tired Aww. I'm drained <laughs> like uh but it was it was so it was cathartic so it was like so awesome in that moment but also like but man <laughs> I'm tired so yeah. It was one of the hardest things. Just had it stretched all my muscles, all my muscles. <laughs> wow, sounds like it was probably a great performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think we can probably go ahead and uh, end the conversation if you all are good with that. Okay.
Yeah, or yeah. We can still stay on a little bit longer if you like. I'm, I'm either way, you know, we're, we can spill some tea if you want to. <laughs> What's we, we can all talk about any upcoming events that we're, 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 we're doing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and talk yeah. with us about yeah. that? Sure. Um, so in um, this set, this weekend, I'll be in Michigan. Uh, there's a gay campground called Camp It, um, where we're going to do a uh, pride show there. And then in uh, July 1st to the 6th, I'll be doing a tour in Denver. So I'll be in Denver, Colorado, just hitting up all the clubs there, touring and doing what I can do. Uh, <laughs> and then um, every every third Friday of the month, you can find me on twitch.com forward slash Ben D Man. That's uh, man with two ends. Um, I host a burlesque show there online, so you can find me there. And that's one of the few things that you can find me doing around Chicago and online. Awesome. Um, all of my gigs are online because Toronto's still closed pretty much. Um, I do have a really big thing <laughs> coming up that I'm not allowed to talk about, no. but it's a big thing. And it's uh, starting next week, I think. And it lasts till December. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's a really big thing and it's a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if you tip her, maybe she can give you a <laughs> Right. <laughs> right down there, scrolling. <laughs> it's like CNN. It's scrolling. Yeah, it's like CNN. <laughs> Congratulations on that, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. And I, I, I'm hopeful that it turns out well. But yeah, um, it, it'll be on Instagram. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks everyone for um, joining us this evening. Uh, thank you both the guests that um, came on as well as those who are in the audience who came up with questions and comments mm -hmm. um, to connect with us all more. Um, just check out the links in the descriptions, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, whether you're, you know, a new person considering drag or you're questioning spiritual, you have spiritual questions or whatever, just feel free to reach out with us and out to us and, just know that people like us exist. That's right. All right. Well, you all take care and you have a lovely evening. You too. Bye. 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 Bye.